0: There's been a proliferation of different vendors out there and different solutions that enable some of these smaller independents or even medium-sized independents to be just as effective and offer just as many resources and tools as some of the bigger guys. And I think when you do that, you level the playing field and you really encourage people to go out and be the best version of themselves for their practice and for their clients. Welcome to the Active Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Harbor Capital. Join us as we learn from pros who have helped thousands of investors live better lives. I'm Brian Moore, and I'll be chatting with some of the brightest minds in the financial advisory business, bringing you insights on practice management and investment research that works for advisors and their clients.
1: Welcome to a very special edition of the Active Advisor Podcast. As you may have noticed, I'm not your regular host. Today, we're flipping the script we're going to be interviewing none other than our intrepid host of the series, Brian Moore. We'll get a behind-the-scenes look at what Brian's really doing when he's not hosting the Active Advisor. My name is Glenn McBride. I'm the head of distribution operations here at Harbor. And while I get the chance to speak to Brian on a regular basis. I'm very much looking forward to this conversation, mainly because he can't cut it short and take another call. Before we get started, I'd be remiss if I didn't give Brian the intro he deserves. Brian is the ETF capital markets expert here at Harbor, joining in 2021. Prior to joining Harbor, Brian spent 20 plus years in the ETF space. He traded and managed ETF desks at several major banks in the U.S. and has been in the capital markets roles in both the U.S. and Canada. Brian received a Bachelor of Arts from DePaul University in Chicago and served four years in the U.S. Army Infantry as a nuclear, biological, and chemical warfare specialist. Brian and his wife live in Philadelphia with their three children and two dogs. Without further ado, welcome, Brian, and thank you so much for letting me interview the host. Oh, thank you for having me on. I guess it's the rolls were Pleasure to be here on this side of the camera. Fantastic. And I'll try not to break from too many traditions, so let's kick it off like you always do. What was the first memory that you have related to money or investing?
0: I think for me, what really got me interested in the business was I was stationed in D.C., my last duty station, and I had a part-time job at night supervising valeting cars, and and two guys showed up with Illinois plates, and at that point in time, I thought it was Illinois'. so that shows how much I've progressed in my life, but it is Illinois and they showed up and I just started talking to them because I always thought Chicago was a cool city, wanted to visit and they started talking to me about what they did and how they were traders and on the exchange and really got bit by the bug then and, and then ended up going to DePaul in Chicago and always had in the back of my head that I wanted to end up on the stock exchange floor somehow involved in trading. And eventually I was given that chance and never
1: looked back. That's fantastic. 28 plus years later, here we are. <laughs> Yep, exactly. and I still don't know what I do when I grow up. Hey, yeah. you know. before we jump into more current roles, I'd love to hear more of that origin story of how you got to be who you are. And I know you're very proud of that military experience. So take us back to that time period and what part of that experience shaped who you are, and what can you tell us about your time in the military?
0: I think it was for me. It's without naming drill sergeant names and everything. I think it was really a, a formative period in my mind because it really taught me that. Even if you're presented with a big situation, a lot of people can sit back and look at the size of something and they can be overwhelming without a doubt. But if you just put your head down, you, t- you work on a small problem and you keep doing that, by the time you look up, you're, you have whittled away half of the problem. And so I think one of the things that really taught me personally was don't get overwhelmed and think that something's too big for you. If you work hard and you focus on small, manageable tasks, you can do anything that you want.
1: That's that's great advice uh, for for everybody. Now, tell me a little bit about um, this. We talked before the interview, the the designation of nuclear, biological, and chemical warfare specialists. For those of us that aren't as involved or know that much, what does that actually entail?
0: So... (laughs) It was an interesting job. I I still wonder how I got into that. But yeah, so I ended up going to NBC School, which was in Southern Virginia at the time, and then went up and you became, during peacetime, what the job really entailed was basically getting everybody in the uh, company down to the gas chamber, having them test out their gear and everything. and, And it was basically an irritant. It wasn't harmful. Overly harmful. But that was in being making sure all the gear was maintained and and properly kept up, making sure that we had all the supplies needed should anything ever arise. And it was really more of a preparatory job that you hoped never really materialized into full blown action. But but it, it was you did have to learn a lot about the different guests being used and the different
1: yeah threats out there. It's amazing. So I can I cannot even put my mind in a space to reflect on that. So thank you for your service, Brian, for sure. My pleasure uh, little pieces. Just break it all down to little pieces. <laughs> <laughs> so take us back to that interest in the exchanges and on the floor and walk us through the story of your career a little bit at a high level. How did you get started in capital market space? And then where have you been that led you up to Harbor?
0: So I think it's, it was pretty interesting how I got started. I was a student at DePaul. I applied for a database programming job. I didn't get hired for that job. And unbeknownst to me, they gave my resume to a firm that was starting up. And the I guess the fruits of that firm is, is now jump trading. So I got to know a couple of the big locals in the pit. And so I got to go down to the exchange floor when it was still jumping and, and, and huge. And that made such an impression on me that you saw this mass of what seemed like football field plus in size, a group of people just screaming at each other, but it seemed to be a coordinated chaos. There seemed to be, if after the initial shock and awe, if there seemed to be some sort of method that they were communicating and kind of things were happening. And so it was, that really piqued my interest. And I can remember, foolish me, I want to say it was probably 24, 25. The day I went for that interview, the, the gentleman that interviewed me said, what is it you're looking for in a job? And I said, I want to be challenged every day and I want to learn something new. And he said, I can give you that. And ever since then, I have had both of those fulfilled, both of those questions of tasks have been fulfilled
1: every day I've been in this business. And how have those roles shifted over time? And we're going to get to that question about what exactly is capital markets and what is your role, but how, have you always been within this same part of the industry? I started out uh, primarily in trading, as we talked about kind of
0: ETF trading, but ETFs really I view as almost like a, a microcosm of the investable universe, right? Their ETF is a wrapper of different things. And so to be an ETF trader, you almost have to be as an, up-to-date and and intelligent as a macro PM because you have to know how everything works. So when I look at an ETF, I'm like, okay, what's inside it? It's not just what is labels can be generic or or not hide something, but they can be a little bit different. So you really the trader means like, what does this thing really own? And so by doing that and really digging deep into everything, you developed an interest around different equity sectors, different commodities, different fixed income funds, and and different option strategies. And so I think it's really it was one of those things that I got to experience and really study and learn a lot of different areas. I've been an option specialist. I've been an equity sector trader. I've been a program trader. I've been a corporate buyback trader. I think all of these things really lend me to have a well-rounded background, which is what I think has helped myself and my probably fellow ETF capital markets counterparts out and really being able to speak intelligently and address questions on a myriad of different
1: kind of ETFs when you're talking to clients. So important. So let's ask that all important question for our advisor audience or pretend you're at a, a dinner party. How exactly would you define what a capital markets expert does and who are your clients? Who are you serving? I think a capital markets, in, in my opinion, and this is, could be definitely wildly different, but I
0: think it's the person who in, in inside the firm is really the, the hub of a spoke of a wagon wheel. And and that's really the person that a lot of information passes through or knows where the information has to go, or can actually be a, a sounding board and and be like, no, this is what we need to do with this, or this is where this is something that we need to think about. So you really probably mirrors my trading career, which is a jack of all trades. I was joked they people call me the Jose Quindo of trading because I just could do a little bit of everything. And I think that is really the capital market's role. You have to have knowledge of a lot of different things and be able to speak intelligently, but also help the firm and help clients get to their achieve their end objective. So that's really on the internal side. When it comes to the client and advisor side. I think that really is just working with them about trading and kind of helping them express the views, the investment views that they have. And so I think that really can vary from, I know you're looking at four or five different ETFs. Here's what they're doing. If we look underneath the hood, here's what kind of it is they hold, here's how they rebalance those kinds of things, or it can be... Have you thought about it this way? I think there's a lot of different, there's with the proliferation of ETFs, there's a lot of different ways you can express those viewpoints internally. And so when it comes to even our, in Salesforce our wholesalers, it really comes about via ETF education, what's the creation redemption method, how they become more tax, how ETFs are tax efficient and everything else. So, I don't want to dive
1: too deep into any specific pool, but keep keeping it high level. Absolutely. Brian, I remember our first conversation you spoke similarly about the hub and the spoke, and that's really resonated about how it's multiple clients that you're serving on a day-to-day basis and Jack Ball trades for sure. So let's talk about one of those clients, the advisor community. Can you give us some examples of on a day-to-day basis, how are you interacting? with advisors. A lot of it's via wholesaler
0: kind of referrals. They want to talk about trading. They want to talk about ETF liquidity. And I think that's something that it's interesting. If you asked me 20 years ago, what are we still having ETF 101? I would say, no, no way. We're not. We're going to be at least 404, maybe even graduate level 505. But we still are and after thinking about it for a period of time, that means to me at least in my mind that we're still getting new people to the ETF universe and that there's still kind of new converts out there that are realizing that this is something that's not going to go away. this is this actually this vehicle does have something to it. And so I think that is really one of the things that I'm passionate about and working with those advisors, whether it's demystifying whether or whether it's helping them trade. I think a lot of advisors, your main goal and speaking to advisors and one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is that you learn so much about each individual person and, and how they approach their business and approach their clients. But at the end of the day, they're client first. And that's what they should be. My job is to help them when they do have that kind of question around trading. How can I actually express this view? This is what I want to do or this is what my client wants to do. And so it's
1: really helping them achieve that objective. So Let's try to work our way up that learning curve, at scale here. If, okay. What's that number one misunderstanding that you still run into today that you'd want to broadcast about ETFs and what you'd want advisors to know? The one thing that ETFs lend themselves to is
0: that they are transparent. You can go up and you can see a bid offer spread. You can see volume on a daily basis and you can't with a mutual fund. Uh, but one of the things I always ask people, have you asked what the average daily volume is of your mutual fund? And people look at you and go, no. But the transparency of that ETF wrapper lends itself to that those kind of increased line of questions, which is great. But what does that really mean? For me, it means that the real liquidity it kind of is a way of circling back. The real liquidity is the underlying it's not because that's what the mutual fund relies on. That's where it draws its source into the ability to trade. It's the same thing in the ETF universe. And I think it's really connecting those two dots, which kind of, happen in a, not necessarily a, a perfectly circuitous way, but that kind of that still let's bring it back to the home, which is underlying. And I think if you look at the ETF universe, 90 plus percent, maybe high 80s, I think last time I looked, of the ETF universe is still the underlying is
1: the most liquid component to it rather than the actual on-screen daily trading volume. That's a good one. And so what should the industry be doing to help us get from that one-on-one level up the learning curve. If there still is that gap, if we're still not to that point, Is there something we should be doing as an industry? Education is the one thing that I would love to see kind of people,
0: at least in the capital markets role. And I know my counterparts are doing it. But even on the ETF issuer side, I think one of the things that that I like to tell clients when I'm talking to them is I don't want you to have a bad experience trading any ETF, because then that's going to reflect upon your opinion and your client's opinion on the whole industry. I think that's one thing that I want to make sure you can get in and get out. Obviously, we hope you stay in Harbor ETFs, but want to make sure that you have that good experience and that you know how liquid they can be
1: and they are. Let's switch gears for a minute and get a bit meta. You've talked about busyness a couple of times. You've talked about the multiple roles, the hub and spoke. At Harbor, we've taken one of the most busy people at our firm and we've given you a platform and you've given you the opportunity to host this podcast, which uh, from all accounts is going exceedingly well. I'd love to dive into that a little bit and understand in this time, in the number of episodes and the conversations you've had with advisors and folks supporting the advisory community, As you think back now, what's the most surprising thing you've heard so far? A couple of things stand out to me. One,
0: early on, we did a podcast with a gentleman in the Philadelphia area, Eric Streden. And one of his things was just shut up and listen to your clients. Don't talk as much. Listen. And I think that's something that I've personally tried to incorporate on my daily basis. But it's also nice to hear an advisor say that. Because we are, I think everybody in this line of work is we can get lost in, in the day-to-day and realize that we're actually a client service business and that we do have a responsibility. It's to listen to people, create stuff and do stuff for them. And so I think that was very humbling and, and good to hear. I think another one was the way that people are using technology. I think we had another gentleman, Michael Collins, was, he helps use jet, Chat GPT for some of his financial notes. And I think that's something that Really, I hadn't looked at Chat GPT until he mentioned it. And I started looking into him like, okay, I see how this can... It didn't help me about my fantasy football draft this year because it said it was only last year's information, whatever. But I definitely see how it works for him. And I can see how it can become an additive part of the business, helping you free up time to still focus on that human aspect of the business. And then there was ones like Nicole Mindorf, which was just a couple of weeks ago. That was, she does trips with her clients. And I was just, my, my first instinct was to kind of, what? And then you're like, you know what? This, again, it's focusing on the client, focusing on the human aspect. And that experiences means so much more than just buying a new car or a new house. I think those, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention everybody else because they had great ideas too, but those are three that just popped and I've stuck with me and, and I've
1: carried on and tried to incorporate in my daily life. So if, there was, if there was an advisor listening here today, this is their first Episode, shame on them. Uh, (laughs) And you wanted to catch them up of these conversations, talking about learning from others and and picking up on trends. Are there one or two more tactical themes or things that you've picked up on, the big trends that you're seeing in these conversations that you you, you would whittle down to these bullet points to say, all right, we've caught you up to the conversation that we've been having over these months?
0: That's a good one. I think be humble, listen twice as much as you talk, and each client is unique and you're unique yourself. So find a way that you can help them prepare for the next phase of their life. I think if you look at it, hopefully we all retire, semi-retired, you still have the way longevity is going nearly a third of your life after you retire. So it's really helping that person
1: on and prepare for the next phase of their life. This might be connected. I know from listening on the outside, one of the things that I pick up on is, and we see it in the data, but just having it demonstrated from the guests is a trend to break away or go independent. What do you think's behind that? What do you think has has been playing into that trend with the people you've spoken to?
0: I think... It's the ability to demonstrate and be more humanistic in your approach and be able to, to tailor your business to your clients' needs. I think just like anything else, if, if you're at one of the bigger shops and more established places, they have a list of things that for you to invest in. They have a list of research for you. They have a list of what it is you should be doing. And that's all fine and dandy. And that's great for X percentage of people. But I, I, we've seen a trend in talking to people that they wanted to customize more and they wanted to emphasize certain aspects of their business and they liked the ability that going independent offers them and and allows them to express themselves more to their clients. And I think you've also seen the proliferation of the past couple of years, whether it be some of the bigger independents becoming behemoths themselves now, but it's also kind of part of the fintech revolution, which might be the only time you ever hear me use that word. But yeah, they have, I'm still tried and true to my kind of old established ways, but I think it's really, there, there's been a proliferation of different vendors out there and different solutions that enable some of these smaller independents or even medium-sized independents to be just as effective and offer just as many resources and tools as some of the bigger guys. And I think when you do that, you level the playing field and you really encourage people to go out and be the best version of themselves for their practice and for their clients. And oh, I exactly. personally celebrate it. I'm not, if you want to stick with the big brands, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, but I, not everybody is a, is not everybody can be put in that mold. And that's
1: including myself and my career and including a lot of the people that we've talked about. Yeah, I think that's well said and framing it back in the ability for an individual or an advisor to be the best version of themselves for the clients is or whatever construct works for them is big, small, independent, large scale. That's what we're here to help. So as you look at continuing these conversations and expanding on the success of these, anything you can share about what's coming up in the for the active advisor? What can we expect from these conversations? I, I think we're going
0: to look to possibly maybe get some of the resources that advisors don't necessarily know, but have at their disposal. One, probably here in the next, the, the last uh, couple of months of the year. I think that is one of the things that being, if I put my capital markets hat back on, It's really a lot of advisors don't know that they have resources. I think I I can only imagine if you're an advisor and you go to, say, a big custodian, that there's probably, it's like buying a house. They'll probably give you like a stack of papers about two inches thick and they're like, sign these 20 places. And by the way, did you read it all? You're like, no. uh, Yeah, sure, I did. But no, I really, maybe not. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. And it turns out, guess what? A lot of these, a lot of them don't even know that they have. 20 person, 10 person trading desks that are free for them to use that go out and are connected to the top market makers around the world. And so I think that's one of the things I would love to highlight for those advisors that there's resources out there that, you know, that the firms have developed for you and really can add value to your practice and add value to your clients' bottom line. I think one of the things that putting my trader hat back on and still looking at the world through that trading lens is getting back to liquidity. People ask, why isn't this product so liquid? Why isn't it 30? Thousand forty thousand shares up, like some ETFs, you're like, you know what? Because, as market maker, you're market making say maybe a thousand products, maybe two thousand, whatever it is. You can't put your maximum size out there for any specific one, right? So, what you do is you put a placeholder out there, whether it be 500, 1500, whatever it is, three thousand shares. But if you bring that to my attention, now all of a sudden. All the other products are there on my screens, but I'm looking at one. So I can actually give you my best market. And that's what a lot of these desks do. And I think it's that ability that I would love to stand on the bench and and talk to people about and get their attention because that's really, not only does it two things, it unlocks the full potential of liquidity of an ETF, but it also helps that client get a better execution, which transfers into
1: the bottom line at the end of the year. That's one thing that I've been struck by not just from working with you directly, but within the ETF community, if you will, is just the willingness to help. Mm-hmm. Right? Like every, everyone is almost on the same team. Of we want folks to have that great experience. So I think that's a, a, a phenomenal goal to help make folks, a broader group of people, understand the resources and support that are available to them. So keep on pushing, Brian, for sure. Yeah, appreciate and it. Thank I, you. I'd be remiss if we didn't at least go a little bit sideways to the investment side of the business. And at Harbor, obviously, we're major proponents of active management. So final question for you here, Brian, is where do you think today active management matters most? I do think markets are cyclical, just like anything else in life. And so I think the pendulum
0: swung on the index side. And so now I see it coming back to more of the active management being selective side. And so I think that's one of the things that I think active management's great when it comes when you want to really fine tune and dial in your exposures for your clients. So international, emerging markets, I think even fixed income, those are always areas that yeah, I think could benefit from having a couple of extra eyes and, and being a little bit more
1: pickier rather than just following a broad based index. And just given your perspective and experience, to tell us about how active and the ETF market are working together. Is there any rejection? How how are those two major macro themes coming together? What's the current view of the etf community as it pertains to active management if you talk to the traders it's just an etf right (laughs) the same files come out every night i know
0: what it is i hold i know what i have to deliver it's an etf i trade it on screen for the majority of them as long as there's nothing exotic or completely unique underneath the hood and the wrapper it's the same thing and i think that's one of the things in talking to a lot of our clients it's people it's active etf yeah but at the end of the day it's still a ticker on an exchange with a verifiable underlying list of constituents. And so I think it's one of those things that I believe that external forces make a bigger deal about it than the people who are doing the day-to-day trading and risk management. I know that may not have been the answer that everybody wants to hear, but I think at the end of the day, an ETF is an ETF and it's how do I manage that risk and how do I where do I think I can
1: trade that at? I think that's a great place to, to wrap up. And as you've shown in these conversations throughout this series and here today, that sometimes the beauty is in the simplicity. So before we put a bow on this thing, I want to first thank you, Brian, for taking the time here today. Thank you for letting me sit into your Host chair today and keep on pushing with these conversations. I know me, and my colleagues, and hopefully the advisor community is really benefiting from these. Nope, thank you very much. I, I enjoy doing them and enjoy learning from everybody. 60 seconds with Brian Moore. You ready, Brian? Yeah. Nickname: Big Country. Hobby: Working in my garage, one thanks. Most used emoji in texting. Oh, the crying laughter emoji. If you could teleport anywhere for just five minutes, where would that be? Probably back to teenage me to tell me it's going to be OK and to keep your head down and keep pushing forward. Four-letter word that should be an ETF ticker, but probably isn't. Don't. Best professional advice you've ever received. Be yourself and be humble. Best 90s pop group. Oh, Spice Girls, without a doubt. Huge fan. Scary spice all the way. Most recent thing you've learned from your teenage children. My Yeti t-shirts are not cool. Best compliment you've ever received. I'm a good dad. Do you hit snooze on the alarm clock? Uh, No. Do I want to? Yes. Favorite way to get active?
0: Being outside, I've taken up running again. Whether you're a seasoned advisor or just getting started, the Active Advisor brought to you by Harbor Capital offers professional insights for the financial advisor community. Visit us at harborcapital.com to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe to The Active Advisor on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date on investment trends, tried and tested research methods, and what your industry peers are up to. From all of us at Harbor Capital, thanks for tuning in.
2: And now for important disclosures. This material is for informational purposes and is not intended to be relied upon as a forecast, research or investment advice and is not a recommendation, offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. The opinions expressed are as of 22nd of September 2023 and are subject to change. The opinions expressed by the speakers do not necessarily represent the views of Harbour Capital Advisors, Inc. The information and opinions contained in this material are derived from proprietary and non-proprietary sources deemed by Harbour Capital Advisors, Inc. to be reliable and are not necessarily all-inclusive and are not guaranteed as to accuracy. This material may contain forward-looking information that is not purely historical in nature. Such information may include, among other things, projections and forecasts. There is no guarantee that any of these views will come to pass. This material may not be representative of the experience of other individuals. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the viewer. This material is not legal, tax or accounting advice. Please consult with a qualified professional for this type of advice. Investing involves risk including the risk of loss. Stock markets are volatile and equity values can decline significantly in response to adverse issuer, political, regulatory, market and economic conditions. Fixed income investments are affected by interest rate changes and the creditworthiness of issuers. As interest rates rise, the values of fixed income securities are likely to decrease. Specific companies and issuers are mentioned for educational purposes only and should not be deemed a recommendation to buy or sell any securities. Any companies mentioned do not necessarily represent current or future holdings of any investment products. Harbour Capital Advisors Inc. does and may seek to do business with companies covered in this podcast. As a result, listeners should be aware that the firm may have a conflict of interest that could affect the objectivity of this podcast. This material is prepared by Harbour Capital Advisors, Inc. All trademarks or product names mentioned herein are the property of their respective owners. Copyright 2023, Harbour Capital Advisors, Inc. All rights reserved.